Join 93.9 Mike FM on Facebook for live conversations with amazing people during Darren's Humans in Tune videos. Miss the live video? Catch the replay on our Facebook page or listen to the podcast at 939mikefm.com. And hey, it's Darren here. Time for a Humans in Tune segment. And I am just giddy with joy because I have Al Petrelli in, uh, in, uh, with me on a Zoom call. Al is a guitarist, music director, uh, original member of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Well, welcome to the studio, Al. It's great to have you. Good to see you, my brother. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to say off the bat, you know, we were talking before we went on the Facebook Live about how TSO's longevity and how, you know, it's this extended family across the country. Um, back in, I think it was 2009, it may have been 2010, but... Uh, Paul and I did an interview for newspapers. It was just over the phone. And, you know, you talk about how you catch up with everybody in these mm -hmm. media times. You know, I think we talked for an hour and 15 minutes that day. And, and after, you know, we got to talking about kids and I was a new dad. And uh, right. so, you know, he, uh, just to show how much love that is, like he sent me tour jackets from that tour uh, right. for my kids when they could grow into them, which they now finally have. So. Um, but yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. TSO is, is family for a lot of us. For a lot. And I bet in that hour and a half you saw to them, 90% of it had nothing to do with the bands. <laughs> it was about music, but yeah, it wasn't directly about TSO for sure. Yeah. That's who he is. And, you know, like we were just chatting before we got rolling about the relationships that have been developed over what's approaching 28 years this coming March mm. is when I played those opening notes on Christmas Eve Sarajevo. You know, and, and again, the relationships between, you know, the band, the crew, the audience, the O'Neill family, it's just grown way past my wildest dreams. Yeah. Know? And it has become, you know, a, a Christmas tradition, a family tradition for people now going, you know, into another generation. Um, you guys, let, let's get the business out of the way first, because everybody needs to get their tickets today. You guys are coming to St. Louis to the Enterprise Center on December the 10th. Um, it's the ghost of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more, uh, the tour. If you've ever seen Trans-Siberian Orchestra live, then you know the experience. If you've not, I don't know where you've been hiding or why you've missed this. Um, but one of the things I thought was of, of notice is you're bringing a, quote, completely updated presentation of the unforgettable, uh, you know, multi-generational, like we said, holiday tradition, the ghost of Christmas Eve. You, you in a music director role, I mean, you've got a storied career as a guitarist music director, you know, going back to the 80s. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll, we could get into the weeds on the rock and roll side. We won't today because we've got limited time. But, um, you know, when Paul, one of the things is longevity. When Paul recruited you for TSO and, and said, this is, I got this side project. I mean, did you think the, the original crew really saw or uh, saw the vision of this as something that would become this everlasting monolith of, of music for the season? Uh, no. Uh, is the short answer. The sure. longer answer is going to be Paul called me up uh, March uh, 95 and he was working on a wreck for the band Sabotage. Mm -hmm. The album's called Dead Winter Dead. And he was, he had auditioned a bunch of guitar players to come in and work on it. Really wasn't like kind of vibing. Uh, all great players, mind you. Sure. He's looking for something specific, you know, because it's a very dark story, uh, of course, with a happy ending, whatever. Now, I had spent a lot of time uh, working for a lot of artists over the years. Um, Paul and I met in 1985. So he knew that I was out cutting my teeth in a lot of different genres. Right. So he just said, listen, dude, can you just come in and, and, and work on this track with me? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, dude. I'd love to. I'll be right there. Whatever. Anyway, 
I walk in the studio, he puts the faders up on what was to become Christmas Eve Sarajevo. And I looked at him, you know, like, you know, when your dog looks at you sideways. It <laughs> and I'm like, what's with the Christmas song? And he, and he laughed, you know, and he goes, it's not really a Christmas song. It's a soundtrack depicting events that took place on Christmas Eve during the war in Sarajevo. I said, now you got my attention. What's up? Right. The, the long and the short of it is there was a, a classically trained musician who used to bring his cello to the town square and play uh, pieces by Mozart, Tchaikovsky, whomever, in protest of the bombing raids. Now, as he's telling me this story, like you and I are looking at each other right now, the hair on my arm stood up. Yeah, yeah. You still get that chill. Yeah. Because I was Alice Cooper's musical director, and we played in Zagreb and Belgrade before the war, and I was in the town square he was referring to. Mm. Hit the record button. Right. And that's what I'm Those opening notes. And he's, that's it. He's like, that's the mood. It's like setting up, you know, here come the planes. And I approached it like, like, underscoring or, or getting involved with a soundtrack instead of thinking like a guitar player mm-hmm. i just what would go on musically that's going to kind of enhance the vision that paul has and that was it so i figured man this is like a ridiculously powerful dark heavy piece of music good luck <laughs> <laughs> so you know and then you know uh, he he asked me to continue working on the rest of the dead winter dead record and <clears throat> i got uh joint sabotage great bunch of players and great some of my best friends and that uh, you, you fast forward to, like, let's say, late November, early December of 95, and it became the number one requested song in America, like, overnight. Dude, you know you got a hit on your hands when talk radio is playing your song. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you're something. And that's when, you know, Paul said, I'm going to write an entire story around this song. I was like, Count me in. Because whatever, whatever was to become of it, I was just so happy to be involved in some form of art that was so powerful and meaningful. You know what yeah. I mean? Did I, would I ever think that, like, here we go again, approaching 28 years later, that you and I would still be talking about this? No, I mean, longevity is is a wonderful thing. I'm glad that I was there from the jump, and I'm so proud to still be part of it and to be able to talk to you about it and to bring this show, you know, live. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you went to Berkeley. I mean, I can imagine as a musician myself, my brain is trying to wrap around, you know, how that room would act. And, And even since then, you know, things like, like Night Castle and, and all the development of the music through the years. Um, you know, part of that is the incredible musicianship. And if you're a musician and you're listening to you guys, you're just, you're filled up. It's not a, a you know, you can not be a musician, simplest mind in the world, and really enjoy the show. And you can be a musician's musician and really enjoy the show. And I think that's part of the beauty of it is it kind of transcends one specific pocket. Like, oh, it's Christmas music. No, it's not that. It's, oh, it's rock music. Well, no, it's not that. It's orchestral music. Well, no, it's not that. It really is this big balloon that a lot of people can can hang out in, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Very well said, because, you know, Paul and I both grew up in the New York area, okay? And when you live in close proximity to New York City, you have everything available to you art-wise. Right. Okay? So you got Madison Square Garden, which, you know, all the bands would come in and just, like, tear it up, you know? You got Radio City down the block. You got the Theater District. You got Carnegie Hall. You got the Beacon. So he, myself, his family, everybody who grew up in that area was exposed to all these different genres of music mm-hmm. and, and, you know, live situation. But if you even go precede that, like when I was a kid in the 60s, there was like WABC AM was the only radio station in town that would come through my dad's car stereo. In right. Yeah. So when you heard music, it could have been something from West Side Story or um, The Sound of Music. 
It could have been the Beatles. It could have been Marvin Gaye. It could have been Sinatra. And it was all these things. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, the two styles of music were good and bad. That was it. Right. You know, it kind of got fragmented over the years. It, it is what it is. So when Paul was writing this story, it, like you had said, well, it's Christmas music. Yeah. And it's this. Right. Because he's got to tell a story. The music is the soundtrack for the story. So in a very like Andrew Lloyd Webber fashion doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's just my responsibility is to kind of help capture the vibe of what the lyric is saying. And yeah. if there is a lyric, the song has to speak for itself instrumentally. You know, so you don't approach it like an instrumentalist. You approach it like we're, we're, we're writing a score. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's part of the allure, you know, of the tours is obviously the music and, and the storytelling to it. But, you know, the, the, the other creativity that goes along with it, um, you know, the artwork. Uh, what's Greg Hildebrand? Is that the guy who did a lot of the artwork? Um, you know, the staging, the technical wizardry, the pyrotechnics. Anybody who's ever been involved with a show with pyrotechnics knows that's next level anyway. And you guys take it beyond that. And that's part of the allure of it. You know, all of that encompasses the whole TSO experience and, and, uh, and fuels the love for the show. Um, and every year it gets changed and every year right. it gets bigger. You know, uh, 99, we did our first tour and I think it was like seven or eight cities up in the Northeast, you know, mm-hmm. a 24 foot box truck, two buses and a fog machine. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to encompass the TSO experience like that. Like, in a theater, mind you, you know, and it was it was the most exciting thing ever. Cause, oh, yeah. you know, and then the next year, maybe it was, you know, three buses and an extra truck, two fog machines, you know. And you're talking about 23 years later, you know, I rolled out of town last year at the last show and I counted. We had 21 tractor trailers, 12 buses, close to 100 people on the crew. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when your kids grow up. We were talking about that just before. Yeah. You know, here's this little infant that just got born. You're like, oh my God, I got to protect it, keep it warm, feed, you know. <laughs> right. Toddler, adolescence, you know, young adult, and it just grows up to be something that I, I didn't see this wrong radar, brother. Right. Know? Just so proud of it. I was there when it opened its eyes. You know, it's Paul and his wife, it's their baby. Right. I was just like the crazy, weird uncle in the corner. You know, <laughs> proud, you know. The fun uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think another reason uh, that people love TSO, and it's not necessarily always at the forefront of the promotion and things like that, but uh, you guys have made a lot of donations to charity over the years from your ticket sales uh, to like the tune of more than eighteen million bucks just throughout North America. Um, You know, what kind of charities? What's on TSO's radar these days for for how you you know how you make that happen? Well. That's Paul O'Neill and his family. That's who yeah. the owner is. People, dude. You know, you, you talk about with the jacket before, and like, just yeah. the, a, a love for humanity, like I've never seen yeah. the jacket, the jacket and the, the vinyls, jacket. and the vinyls and the CDs. I mean, he sent me a box that, like, I just I felt so guilty for just you know, it was an awesome yeah. conversation. That's who he is. That's who his family is. You know, they yeah. want to change the world. Now, when you think about a dollar a ticket, it doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot of money. But over 23 or so years of touring and a lot of tickets being sold, that ended up to a lot of money to go back into the community that's embraced us and put us on the map. Yeah. Dude, it's the holidays. Yeah. I mean, we all been through like a whole <laughs> mess for the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, and what's going on with the economy and inflation and, you know, my wife and I took the kids out to the movies the other, I don't know, last week, whenever it was, you know, 
bunch of Skittles, raisinets, and popcorn, four tickets and a cheeseburger. It was like 200 bucks. It's like, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's uh, it's a little nuts. Well, you know, this time of year, people who were in need, like before the economy is like went out of control, are really going to be in need of things. And yeah. Like I said, Paul, his wife, his daughter, all they want to do is make a difference in the world. And I'm just so proud of what they represent and how they go about doing it. And they are making a change, man. And, mm-hmm. and it is, it's, it's wonderful to watch. It is. And, you know, like you said, we're entering that season of Thanksgiving. Uh, people start to reflect on that. Their hearts start to open up a little bit more. And I think that's part of the warmth that comes with the music, too, is that, you know, it just fosters that feeling. Um, as, is, as we get into that time, what are you most thankful for? Well, I, you know, listen, at my age, I'm thankful to be on this side of the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, listen, I, I have so much to be thankful for. Um. I, it, it's just that every year I, I I have the same emotion that probably you do. Anybody watching us will have everybody in the arena. I'm thankful for an incredible life. I'm thankful to people who were in my life. And I miss a lot of them terribly, you know. And that's one of the things that Paul's story kind of, it, it resonated with me that like, you know, my dining room will always have an empty chair. Yeah. Around the place, you know maybe whomever it is that I love and miss left this world into their next. Maybe I just haven't spoken to a buddy in 30, 40 years because life kicked in and whatever happens, you know, mm-hmm. but somebody said the other day and it really hit home with me that I'd rather miss you than have never had you in my life, mm. you know? And yeah. so there's a bittersweet emotion that permeates the holidays, especially Christmas. And when Paul wrote the story, and in this case, we're performing the Ghost of Christmas Eve this year. There's a teenage runaway who finds herself lost in this old theater on Christmas Eve, and she's scared, tired, lonely, cold. She wants to go home. She doesn't remember why she ran away. And then from the father's vantage point, he wants his baby girl home, pleading to the heavens, you know. And what I've noticed over, like, you know, 20-something years is that everybody watching and listening has the same feeling. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody misses somebody, dude. Yeah. And not that it makes it any less painful or, or, or sad, but to know that everybody else in that arena is sharing in that a similar sentiment, at mm-hmm. least you have a sense of comfort that you're not alone in that feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so thankful to be part of something so special that does bring people together, not only musically and visually, and, you know, bombastically, but emotionally and spiritually. Absolutely. You know? I think that's very, very special. I think that's what, is helping the longevity of this. Uh, it's my job along with everybody else in the organization to make sure every time we come out, we're better than we were last year, you know, yeah. because it's no joke when people turn around and say, you know, you become part of our family's holiday tradition. You know, that's an enormous, enormous honor and compliment and a pretty big responsibility because what would break my heart is showing up by you guys and having you walk out of the arena going, yeah, right, last year was better. Yeah. No. Well, I know it's a lot of work, and, you know, we're thankful for you, the massive amount of crew that it takes to pull this off, and the fact that it's still fun for you to do it, that you're passionate about taking it to the next level and continue to evolve uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra and the presentation that comes with it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. Listen, it was always, I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. And that was, you know, Paul O'Neill and his family, it was paramount to that. Yeah. You don't, you don't get to finish your tour and go, woohoo, and right. sit back. You get to finish your tour and go, woo what are we doing next year? Yep, that's you know, it. So when, when, when somebody wins the Super Bowl, 
It's like, awesome. You guys crushed it. Well, that's in the rearview mirror now. Yeah. What are we going to do next year? Yep. Listen, my Jets are four and two this year. <laughs> Who would have thought? You know, so somebody did homework in the offseason to get it straight. That's it. Yep. And that's what it takes is that is that 12 month a year commitment. Yeah. And listen, they're working on the 2023 tours. You and I are talking right now. You know, it's always 14, 15 months ahead of our yep. first movie. Yep. You know, and it's awesome. It's exciting, but it is a lot of work. And, and the kick is, is that the folks in the audience, they'll never know what it took to put that show on. I just want them to sit back and go, this is awesome. Yep. This is absolutely like spot on. They don't know why. They just know, like you said, man, they're just loving every second of it. Yep. So, you know, I'll always tip my hat to the O'Neill family, our managers, our department, uh, our crew, because we'll rehearse this show 30 or 40 times before opening night on November 16th, because it's got to be perfect, dude. Yep. It's got to be. My opening night is my first show, and I want it to be a perfect first show. I'm going to see you, I don't know, three, four weeks after that. Maybe it's my 25th show, but it's going to be your first show. Right. And you're going to have the same first show that they did on November 16th in Council Bluffs or Green Bay, wherever I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, that's and, what we, we were taught to do this by uh, Paul and his family. And yeah, it would be perfect. Well, and they set the bar high early. Here's the precedent. This is, no. this is the bottom of where we're going to be. From here we grow. From here we excel. And, and you guys have, have kept that tradition, you know, alive. It's fantastic. Because it's a privilege to do it, you know. I mean, everybody in the organization lives for this. You know? Right, yeah. I saw the Beatles uh, in 1964 on Ed Sullivan. I was two years old, in my feety pajamas, mind you. <laughs> that was it. Yep. De- decision's been made, choice is over. I'm going to do this somehow, some way, you know. I'm going to try to be that. Yep. When you have the opportunity to do so. It's like my dream come true every day, you know. I put that Les Paul around my neck. I immediately turned back into a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah. It was the greatest thing ever. Like, it's the best had, job in the world. Best day ever. Yes, exactly. You know, a lot of work. You know, people say, oh, you got to eat. Well, no, it's not easy, you know? Yeah. Nothing's easy, but if it's worth doing, you just, well, I don't have a choice. I'm going to do this, you know? And yep. once you accomplish that, maintaining it, and like you said, continually helping it grow and mature. You know, yeah, it's it's so much fun, dude. I hope me, you, and I have this conversation for another twenty eight years. I hope so as well. Uh, you I, guys, I might be in a walker by then. But... <laughs> At the rate <laughs> I'm going, I may be right there with you. Maybe we'll just do a live Facebook from the from the home they put us in. There you go. It is. It'll be fun. It'll be the best day ever. Then took <laughs> Petrelli and pudding. Tune in tomorrow. It'll be perfect. Yeah, I'll be like this drooling. Yeah. TSO is in St. Louis, Saturday, December 10th. Tickets are on sale now at trans-siberian.com. They're everywhere. You're going to find those tickets without a problem. And I know if you've not seen TSO, make plans to do it this year. Make it a part of your family's Christmas tradition, uh, and you won't be disappointed. Al, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope we get to chat again soon. I can't wait, my brother. Listen, love and respect. Stay safe. Wish your family the best. And I'll see you I'll see you in a couple months. Give me a take. Perfect. We'll see you then. Thanks much. Bye-bye now. Been another Humans in Tunes segment here on 93.9 Mike FM's Facebook page. Appreciate you tuning in. You can catch us next time on Humans in Tune. We'll have another one next week. Pamela Stone joining me for a conversation about making the interview even bigger and better. Join 93.9 Mike FM on Facebook for live conversations with amazing people during Darren's Humans in Tune videos. Miss the live video? Catch the replay on our Facebook page or listen to the podcast at 939mikefm.com.